Hello, it's Brad Shepard here from Create PT Wealth, and welcome to another edition of A Personal Trainer's Guide to a Wealth Creation Podcast Success Series. And today I'm going to be talking to you all through specifically for the personal trainer that wants to go and sign themselves up as a rent-based position in a gym or in a fitness facility. Okay, so today's podcast is specifically talking to those people. Now, at the moment, whether you are a an active trainer, an active personal trainer, fitness professional, coach in one of these facilities, and you're looking at your options to um, can move to another facility, alternatively, if you're somebody who hasn't yet embarked on your career and hasn't kicked off inside a gym, and you're looking at that that could be the place to go. Now, before I launch this, just for everyone's knowledge who's listening to this, of all the coaching and mentoring clients that we have at Create PT Wealth, roughly as it stands at the moment, 52% of the coaching and mentoring clients that we do have at Create PT Wealth are actively rent-based PTs in a gym or in a commercial facility. So, it's safe to say that we do deal a lot, you know, when we have 150 plus clients come through our high level coaching programs every year. So we, we get, do get to deal a lot with with these facilities, uh, number one. Number two is we are big fans of these facilities. Uh, we see that they are a great place for you to be able to build a business and, you know, for you to, for you to be able to have a, a long, have longevity and have a, have a successful career as a personal trainer. Um, of the other clients that come through our coaching programs, you know, roughly 25 or so percent of those will have their own facility. That is, they're a gym owner, they're a PT studio owner, they own their own functional fitness box, CrossFit box or something of that description. Uh, and then roughly another 22% of clients that come through thereabouts will be those that operate outdoors, boot camps, in parks, uh, mobile PT and uh, and anything that sort of fits in what we call the other category. We have a number of allied health practitioners that will come through our program over the years, osteos, chiros, uh, massage therapists and so forth. So just so everyone's knowledgeable about um, some of the background that we have. So what I'm going to be speaking about today is I've compiled a spreadsheet and I'd say it's a reasonably comprehensive spreadsheet on really what it is the questions that you do should and would need to ask before you would consider embarking on a rent-based facility for yourself. And some of these questions will be, you know, highly applicable to some some people, to some situations. Some of them may at the moment seem a bit irrelevant. So what I've done is I've put this in such a way that you, you you can sort of pick and choose the ones that you think are going to be most appropriate for your your scenario. Now, if you have a look on our and our podcast in the notes or the comments section, what I'll do is I'll make a I'll find a way. It'll either be a website link or an email address or something that you can email us directly or visit a page directly, and you can download this checklist. So while I'm reading it out today, the contents of it, I've put it into an Excel spreadsheet just to make it really easy for people to be able to follow. And we're going to make that available to anyone who does listen to this podcast, just to so you can arm yourself with the with the most appropriate things. And again, before I launch, look, this, in my opinion, this, this checklist is quite definitive and it's been used incredibly well. However, you know, along the way, there might be some, some extra things that, that we think of 
maybe there's some 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 things as you as the listener go hold on maybe there's one or two questions that haven't been added to this and we'd invite anyone to play, post in the comments section or to contact us directly with any any feedback that they have or things that they think that could could add to this all right, so let's launch with it. So it, let's say that you are looking at embarking in yourself into a commercial rent-based facility. And like I said, around the country right now, there are, are so many options for you to be able to do that and a great place for you to be able to build a business. We have a strong working relationship with um, you know many of the bigger players around Australia, the, the likes of your, your Fitness First and your Good Lives and so forth, where we do a lot of in-gym training, professional development and presentations. Um, we have a great re- working relationship with many of your 24-hour facilities, your Anytimes, your Snaps, your Jets um, and all the rest of it. Um, and then we have other, you know, emerging, sometimes, you know, maybe smaller groups, however, nonetheless, you know, very great places, very formidable gyms and facilities. So, all right, let's launch into it. So what I've done is I've broken this into a couple of different sections. And the first section, I've called it info about the gym. Okay, so uh, as the spreadsheet, you know, you, you can, as I read through some of these questions, what you'll be doing, you can um, you can make a mental picture or you can start to write this stuff down in terms of how would I compile this stuff. And the, the psychology behind it is making sure that before you enter into any agreements or position yourself, because it is a, in my opinion, it's a, it's a, um, it, it's an important decision for you to make, um, and so you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go about that decision lightly. You know, I w- would want to make sure I weigh up all the pros and cons and see what is going to be the most appropriate fit for me. Okay, so some info about the gym. The gym name, all right. You obviously want to know the name of the facility, and then you want to know whether that facility is a franchise gym or whether it's an independently owned gym. If it is a franchise gym, I'd be very curious to know if that franchise gym was company owned, owned by the company, or it was owned by a franchisee. Uh, again, that that can be an important question to ask. The reason being is that um, you know you can do a little bit of research on going. Okay, for the for the actual franchise, how many of those facilities do they actually own? And, you know, maybe you can have a look around at the ones they do own and and get a bit of an idea on the track record of those facilities. On the flip side, if it is franchisee owned, what you'd want to know a little bit about is the how many gyms does that franchisee own? Is is this their first one? Um, Have those people had experience in the fitness industry themselves or are they simply a... um, an investor who has, you know, bought a bought a fitness facility, let's say a twenty four hour gym, with the intention of turning it into a, a, a profitable venture for themselves. I'm not suggesting that either of those scenarios are better, one's better than the other, but in my opinion, that's the type of information that you want to arm yourself with, just so that you're familiar with it. Obviously, we've uh, you know we've worked with many twenty four hour gym owners over the years. Some of those ranging from one facility to those that own four facilities, to those that own 10 or more facilities. And obviously, when you have a 24-hour franchisee gym owner who owns 10 or more facilities, you could probably assume that that person's had a pretty good track record um, at running these facilities, the fact that they've gone and opened 10 of them uh, successfully. The next question might be for those people, do they have any goals for future gyms or future facilities? And what does that look like? A little bit about what's the vision of the company and where, where might they be heading and what space are they moving into? Again, if I reflect back to 24-hour facilities, when I, I first saw the model um, you know, somewhere maybe 10 or more years ago, 
the the footprint of a of a twenty four hour club was very different to the typical footprint of a twenty four hour club today. They were a very, I guess you might say, basic model. They were usually a smaller smaller floor plan. They had less equipment. In this day and age, what we get to see all around the country are twenty four hour facilities that are coming to, I guess you might say, meet the market with various offerings, and we see everything from functional fitness areas to CrossFit style rigs to um, platforms and bumper plates and um, even group fitness offerings which was not part originally of the the 24-hour model so it's a changing space and as many of you know who are listening to this we see some of our larger chain facilities our good lives who are now becoming 24-hour clubs so we've we've seen that that market really shift and change as well. Um, I'll be curious to know how many years in operation that business had been and you can just do a little bit of your own uh, you know anecdotal research uh, chat to people get a bit of a feel for for what it's like um, in that facility and um, if there are other trainers operating out of there I would definitely go and ask those people about their experience there I um I pretty much relate this to to anything that you do we own a number of properties and I can recall purchasing one of our properties and whilst I was having a look with the real estate agent and you know I saw the neighbor next door and um, you know took the liberty of going to speaking to that person and just having a good long chat to them about their experience of living in that suburb and that street and that neighborhood and getting an idea on what it's like there so same rule applies in business and in your gym if you're going to go and open up somewhere or operate from somewhere I'd, I'd want to get as much information that I could as possible. Um, the next bit would be some some level of industry experience. So again, do the does this gym or do the owners of this gym have some some level of industry experience? How long have they been in the industry for? Or on the flip side, are they new to it? If they're new to it, maybe they've run other successful businesses before, and that could also be a, a bonus or a plus. I guess this whole this whole first bit, I'm just looking for. All right, let's let's start to get a bit of background information and knowledge about this place. Of course, nothing beats you know having a gut feel for something or or in your heart feeling walking into a space and thinking, yeah, I can really make this work. I remember, I recall the facility that we operated from Peak Physique, and we ran um, our business there for a good fifteen plus years. I I conducted that business underneath the roof of a commercial gym. I paid a rental fee to that commercial gym for myself and my team of 13 personal trainers to be there. We were doing 200 plus hours of personal training every single week there. And when I walked into the facility, it was a reasonably small facility, smaller than what I was used to. However, the the facility had a really good feel about it. The the layout was great. The the facility looked onto it had a had a, a whole section which was sliding glass doors which looks looked out onto a twenty five meter pool, um, and that twenty five meter pool looked out onto the Brisbane River. So it was a, a very light and bright and open space and. You know, for me, it was like, okay, I could really see us, although we're going to have to, you know, be a bit creative with with working around this facility in terms of space. um, It had a good had a good feel about it. That's for sure. All right, next section, let's go into gym statistics. Now, this is the bit that we'd assume that all of these facilities are, are tracking and measuring on a, a weekly, fortnightly, monthly, uh, half yearly 
or quarterly, half-yearly, and yearly basis. Now, um, let's go through some of these. Um, number of members, so I'd be asking that question for sure. So how many actual um, members do we have signed up at this facility? Um, and then we'd want to know our number of active members, okay? So a gym might have 1,000 members signed up, but I'd be curious to know as to how many of those members are actually active and turning up to the facility. And on the flip side, roughly how many of those might be what they call the sleepers, the people who have got their gym membership and kept their gym membership, but for some reason have stopped coming to the gym. Um, from there, obviously, your, your number of members and your number of active members are going to give you some statistics on your ratio of, of personal trainer to um, um, member ratio, you know, so... Um, next thing in terms of member signups, do they have uh, new monthly member sign-up goals? So in each and every month, how many members uh, is this facility looking to sign up? Again, I just get to speak to places all around the country. Some facilities are, are excellent at this part and have some really good set and cl clear targets. Some other facilities are just working on what we call the hope plan, and that is fingers crossed and, and simply hoping for the best. Um, that's goals, but then we also want to know is what is the monthly member sign-up actual? So how many members are you actually signing up? So we might have a goal to sign up 70 members in this particular month, but on average, over the last few months, we've been signing up 45, thereabouts. Now, sign-up goals and sign-up actuals are critical, but probably the thing that makes the biggest difference in this formula will be the number of monthly member cancellations. So again, back to the scenario that I just gave you, the facility might have a goal of signing up 70 people. However, if we're only signing up 45 and then we find out that 38 of those people are, are cancelling their membership every, um, every month and they might not be the same people, but they've signed up 45, but they've lost 38 out the back door. So we've got a net member gain of around about seven members per month. And again, all this stuff to be considered uh, given the number of personal trainers and so forth there. Now, you know, it goes beyond the scope of today's audio, today's presentation to speak about the opportunity there because obviously with 38 people cancelling or walking out the back door as a, as a savvy business owner, the first thing I think is how can we best connect with these people and find out is there something we could do to actually help them and, and keep them going and stop them from cancelling their membership. So, you know, that's the topic of a whole nother podcast altogether and you could, you could really simply build your business on that alone. Um, next thing is any sales funnel opportunities. And what I mean by a sales funnel opportunity, it means is there an active process in place at the moment for you to turn these gym members into act active paying personal training clients? Some examples of that might be a some sort of introductory um, three-session pack, startup pack, results pack, um, whatever it's called. I've seen it. Uh, it's got many different names around the country. However, the, the three session pack is, is, is usually um, quite, you know, quite well promoted and quite well offered to many people. In some facilities, they charge for that. Other facilities, they'll pass that on as a, as a bonus uh, for signing up. So um, I would be curious to know, alternatively, do they run some sort of introductory complimentary session? Is there some sort of body assessment? What sort of things do they have going on uh, that are either an expectation for you or an opportunity for you, and um, I'd be, you know, th that's one question I'd be asking. And then next question on top of that would be how many expected number of these 
you know, opportunities or leads per week could I expect to get? So going back to my scenario, we want to sign up 70. We actually sign up 45, but we keep we lose 38 of them, so we keep seven. And if we have four trainers on board, um, are do we have four trainers that are are, are that themselves hunting, you know, and trying to get their hands on these seven potential signups? And how does that bit all work? Now again, topic of a whole another podcast altogether, but we can't emphasize at Create PT Wealth the importance of not relying upon the gym just to supply you with your leads and, and to, to assist you in building that business 100%. Sure, working at a, faci- a facility is brilliant. It has its benefits and you've got active paying members that have turned up. They've voted with their feet to be you know, to, to go to a facility and, and that's why, in my opinion, it's a really great place for you to build a, a successful fitness business. However, don't rely upon the gym to do it and that's why you need to have your own lead generation, your own marketing philosophy, your own your own systems in place to make sure that every day, every fortnight, every month, you are coming into contact with new people. And um, if I reflect back to the facility that we operated from uh, when we run Peak Physique there, the gym was was um, basically they had some of their own trainers employed at that facility, and so when we signed up there, the agreement was that any new member signups we didn't actually get access to those people. So all the new member signups they would go directly to the active personal trainers who were at that facility, and that was just the rules. That was the conditions that we had to operate under. However, we were most welcome to actively do our own marketing. We were most welcome to actively prospect people on the gym floor. We were most welcome to run seminars and workshops. We were most welcome to market and promote ourselves. So basically, they were pretty much saying, look, you, we're happy for you to go for it. However, all the new member signups, introductory packs, complimentary sessions and all that will be serviced by our team. And that's just how I knew that was the case and I just built the business around that. Many of the clients that I brought into that facility, I brought in from outside the facility. I did my own external marketing and every time I was signing up a new gym membership, I was also, sorry, every time I was signing up a new personal training client, I was also signing up a new gym membership. All right, let's go into the next bit. Um, gym the gym team and the staff how does that all look so the gym manager i'd be curious to know is there a gym manager in place and for most facilities we'd assume that they would have some sort of gym manager how long has that person been in the management position for Uh, again i've seen some facilities where we have um, you know people that have been actively there for quite some time and they you know they can bring a lot of value to that place with their experience and so forth. I've seen other facilities who have just thrown someone into that role and maybe that person's not appropriately qualified, skilled in in that area. Um, So I do my research in that area. We'd also want to find out a little bit about that person's background. Do they have a membership sales consultant? And again, similarly, how long has that person been that membership sales consultant for? And do they have a, a personal training manager? And how long has that person been the personal training manager for? Now, not all facilities have the luxury of having all of those. Sometimes we have the gym manager who is wearing many hats. They're the gym manager, they're the membership consultant, and they are the personal training manager. Plus, they're the cleaner, plus they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff just to keep this gym open. So, uh, a- again, as, as we stem back, some of these things aren't necessarily a bad thing, but it's just for you to have yourself really, um, really well uh, educated before you get yourself signed up into this place. 
the membership sales consultant can really be your you know or any of these people can really work and, and help you build your business you know what we find is generally speaking where we have someone that's quite proactive and they do want to build their business they have the support of these people because these people want to see you have a, have a successful business they want to see you obviously when you're training more clients and, and more of those members are, are training with you or under your personal training business less of these people are cancelling their gym memberships. And so, you know, personal training and being involved in some type of activity is the best form of, of member retention um, in, a, in a fitness facility, that's for sure. All right, if we scroll down then, how many personal trainers do they have in total? So it'd be great to know how many PTs do they have on the team. And of the PTs that they have, how many of those PTs might be on sort of a salary-based position or some sort of introductory startup position? I'd be very curious to know that, um, as opposed to how many of those PTs are more established that they've been there for a long time, okay? So if you you look around the facility and you have a chat to the, the gym manager and you say, oh, can you tell me a bit about the PTs? How many PTs do you have here? Oh, yeah, we got three PTs in this gym. Okay, cool. Who are the PTs? Oh, we got Macker over there. Look, he's been going for about four years. And um, yeah, look, he's pretty nice bloke. He's pretty set in his ways. You know, he, he does his 20 or 30 sessions a week. He sort of comes and goes. He, he's not really on the hunt for new people. He's, he's got himself pretty, pretty sorted. Okay, cool who's the next person okay we got uh, kelly over there uh yeah kelly she's um yeah she's probably struggling a bit she's um she's studying part-time and she's um she's also works another job and she's in here a, a couple of mornings a week but she hasn't really made a go of it yet okay cool and then we've got another person we've got jono over there and um yeah, Jono, he's he's been here for about uh, he's been here for about twelve months, and you know he runs a couple of boot camps, and you know does a handful of clients, but he's probably not very proactive about building the business. So, again, you hear a scenario like that. I'm not suggesting that's a good or a bad thing. You could spot the opportunity there, and you can go, okay, if we got three people and none of them are really on the hunt for new clients, maybe it gives me an opportunity to be be able to go in there and and, and actively prospect. On the flip side, if we've got a good active team of, of, of hungry people, there it, it can it can generate an energy and an enthusiasm and a, a form of healthy competitiveness where we're all, you know, actively out there and we're we're encouraging personal training in this facility and, and semi private training and, and group activity and so forth and it just becomes part of the culture in that club. Again, if I reflect back to my personal experience, the gym that I operated from um, always sort of had up around around about a thousand members. So um, it was a it was a pretty good membership number, but it wasn't huge compared to other facilities. Um, I had a team of myself plus thirteen personal trainers, and then I then the gym themselves had a number of PTs employed, and some of those PTs moved into single um, solo business owners as well sole sole traders at that facility so at any one time we could have up to 20 personal trainers there and um, we'd look around i'd look around the gym on a tuesday morning there might be you know 25 or 30 people working out in the facility and you know 15 or more of those people would have a, a personal trainer so it was it was quite well you know it was quite well recognized and understood that that personal training was just part of this facility um, so we want to know then how many how many um, rent-based PTs. So the number of total PTs would be the num one one of those that are on salary or some sort of startup arrangement versus those that are rent-based, and um, the average length of stay for the personal trainers. And like I said, getting an idea on how long people have been there for. 
All right, let's move into the next section. I call it the agreement and the remuneration slash compensation or what you'd be paying as, as part of rent in that facility. So um, we'd assume that there'd be some sort of startup rent payment procedure and um, what we see commonly around the country is something along the lines of first month you would receive your rent for free, second month you would receive your rent at a 50% saving or discount um, and then by the third month you would kick into full rent. So it's given you some time to be able to build up that your business there and build up your client base. Um, how much should you pay for rent? Well, it, it varies massively and hugely around the country. I've seen it from as little as $150 a week thereabouts up to somewhere in the vicinity of about $450 a week. So huge range in there, obviously, between $150 and $450. But at the end of the day, you've got to figure out what are all the uh, the pros and cons to you investing in a, a rent uh, and what do you actually get out of investing in that rent. Again, if we were to take the um, a middle figure there at around about $300 per week, $300 per week is an incredibly low figure to be able to run any business. And so we have plenty of conversations with personal trainers around the country and I can hear this thing, you know, this this idea of people a little bit disillusioned with, oh, I've got to pay this 300 bucks a week to the gym and, you know, it's just an extra money that I have to spend and all that sort of stuff. And I go, well, you, you have to really change the psychology around that. If you were to open any facility, you would definitely be paying a hell of a lot more than $300 per week. And not only the fact that you get your, your hands on active paying members, you know, you get access to these people as well. So uh, plus you're not paying any, any electricity, lights and all the rest of it, you know. So I, I can't overemphasize that, um, you know, that, that the, the mentality with getting that stuff out of your mind. Uh, second question is there some sort of bond that you have to, to pay and, and many facilities do have and if you do have to pay a bond what are some of the inclusions of that bond and that would generally come with some things that you would get um, some ongoing education some training some things that, that would be basic uh, minimum requirements and so again it's um it's one of those things you know probably uh, when you when you're kicking off for, for some people it can be a bit of a daunting experience to have to pay some money out however at the end of the day it's it's investing in your 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 business it's investing in your development and your education I'd be curious to know if there's any other additional costs involved any other things that you may have to uh, chip in for or invest in uh, and then similarly in any agreement you'd want to know about um, are there yearly rent increases and how would that come about does do you need to how much notification do you need to have for that um, and so forth I'd want to get a copy of the contracts uh, and have a good read through that and if you if you wanted to you'd have your uh, lawyer or someone have a read through that and just make sure everything reads pretty straightforward in, in my experience of this most of these contracts are pretty straightforward um, I haven't really haven't heard of many um, bad quote-unquote experiences that people have been through however you know it would it would make sense that you would take some time to just be very clear on, on what you're signing up for um, similarly would be if you were to decide to leave that facility, what are the exit terms, you know? And, and commonly um, in many facilities, it's a, a three-month exit process, meaning that you would have to give three months notification if you were going to exit that process. Um, insurance would be good to know. Do you have to be insured? Um, it would be our recommendation that you are insured, but what level of insurance do you need and uh, what other insurances in the gym uh, d does it cover members for, especially when you're training them underneath the roof of that facility? 
um, higher, higher level stuff or higher picture stuff, does that facility um, enable you the ability to be able to hire a personal trainer under you and start to build a team? Um, it's a model that we've seen work successfully. Uh, it's a model that we've seen work successfully in many clubs around the country. And, um, you know, it's a way for you to be able to build and expand your business. It's a way for you, you to be able to increase your revenue. It's a way for you to be able to build passive income. It's a way for you to be able to enhance yourself uh, professionally and, and get more, you know, personal um, career and business satisfaction. So um, I do like the model and um, so I guess some of the questions you could ask straight up is if, if I got down the track, um, is there the, there the ability for me to, to be able to do that and then what will be some of the terms and conditions behind that? Is it just simply I pay the rent of that trainer and how does the whole contract and the agreement and that side of it work? Next thing is, um, is there an opportunity for you to be able to negotiate um, the rent for that team? And what I mean by that is that Based on the facility, and this won't happen in every facility, but you may have some commercial facilities where they are open to it. And what I mean by that is um, each person that you take on, is there an ability for there to be some level of rent reduction for that person or some incentive in place? And the reason why you'd go into that and what the reason why you'd negotiate that is that pretty much what you're doing is that you're taking on the work of the gym or of the facility you're you're making sure that um you know those people um that you're the one who recruits the pt so you're doing a lot of the legwork and the groundwork so the gym doesn't have to be too concerned about keeping on keeping on hiring all these new personal trainers into the facility because you're the person who's been doing that um, and that's the reason why you do some negotiation the other part is of course as you're building um, that business you'd want to have your lead generation processes in place and you're bringing new members into the club all the time so I guess back to that thing you know the more you can bring to the table and the more ability you have to negotiate in my opinion um, if you're just going in there and just trying to just trying to um, you know screw somebody down to get the price down and you don't you're not really bringing much value to the table then you know I don't see any reason why anyone would want to be obliging in, in giving you any type of rent reduction but at the end of the day on the flip side if you're going to bring value to that then um, I can see why that would be the case for you. All right, let's move over into marketing and communication. Um, I'd be curious to know how does the gym actually market to people? What sort of marketing process do they have in place? Do they have how many people do they actually have on an active database, um, how, or how many people on their list? What database? What what customer relationship management program do they use? How do they actually communicate with that database? Do they send email newsletters, email blasts to that database? How frequently do they do that? How, what's the open rate on those emails? All this stuff is, is really, again, valuable information. Um, do you have the ability to um, market inside that email newsletter? Can you supply articles? Can you make special offers? Do they send out SMSs? Are they standard SMSs or are they video SMSs and what do they do? Do they have some sort of Facebook page, some sort of social media page, Instagram page? Uh, LinkedIn page? What are they, what are they actually doing and, and how active are those people? Do they have their own uh, private members group and, and how active is that private members group? Do they have some, some level of customer care? Do they have follow-up customer care calls? Do they check in on people? You heard me mention the sleepers before. They're the gym members that sign up uh, but don't actually go to the gym. And they're um, 
you know, uh, are they actively trying to pursue those people and get those people back into the gym, you know, and, and can you play a part in that from a marketing perspective? So, again, plenty of points for you to consider in that, but, you know, I, I would just be asking those questions and finding out a little bit about it. Check out the Facebook page, see how many likes have got, is there some activity on it? All right, to wrap up, um, I guess just some other day-to-day stuff, you know, so do do they have team meetings in that at that facility and what's your the expectation of you being there how frequently does that occur is it quite proactive in terms of ongoing education do they have professional development workshops do they bring other um, experts in to to educate you and your ongoing professional development in technical skills training in business training and other different areas uh, how frequently does that occur is there an investment from you to to be at those um, will you be registered through Fitness Australia or some other governing body and is there a CEC point requirement and so forth? So just some just some general things that um, you know from day to day. Okay, these are my expectations. I know that 2 o'clock and on every Wednesday there's a team meeting and it's it's my requirement as being part of that team uh, or operating under that facility that I would, I would turn up to that and contribute to that and be an active part of it. Um, all right, a pretty comprehensive list. Now, a couple of bits I'll say about this checklist and this spreadsheet. If you're going to rock up to, um, you know, pick out 10 or 15 gyms, uh, turn up to them with a clipboard and, and stand there and just rattle off all these questions one by one by one. Um, you might sound like an inspector from um, <laughs> from the, the Health and Wellness Authority or something like that. So, um Look, what I'd do is is that I would probably, you know, classify some of these questions and figure out which ones that you would you would decide are more important to you. There's obviously some of these questions that you can do um, even before you visit a facility or before you call them over the phone. And keep in mind that um, in, in initial conversations, there might be some facilities that are, are just not open to sharing some of this information with you um, in the initial stages. And again, that's all good and well, um, but as we get a little bit closer and if, you, if we're getting closer to a... Um, if we're getting closer to a you understanding the contract and you want to start signing on with this place, um, you know, if if initially they weren't open to sharing their membership numbers, their membership goals, their cancellations, all that sort of stuff, um, I would certainly uh, want to know that stuff as I'm about to sign the agreement. Hey, if it doesn't come out in the first five minutes of conversation, um, I wouldn't be too concerned or too worried about that. That's for sure. So I guess the the, the general uh, underlying principle I would say is, you know, um, you know, use use your good judgment about you. Um, you know, you want to go in there uh, feeling very open minded. You know, I, I see these type of scenarios as a win win. You're operating your business underneath the roof of, of their facility that they've established. Um, every party wants to have a win. You obviously want to be able to build and run a successful business in there. And on the flip side, they have their, their gym, their facility that they, is obviously for, for them, is an important part of their lives and, and they want that to be successful as well. So uh, it's, that, it's, it's really that chance for everyone to have the success that they want and that, that people can operate underneath that roof successfully and harmoniously together. Okay, so to wrap up this audio, um, I'll just make mention for you again, if for some reason you want to get your hands on this particular spreadsheet, you can um, you can email CreatePTWealth directly, um, and the email address is info, I-N-F-O, at, and it's all one word, CreatePTWealth, so that's C-R-E-A-T-E, 
P-T, wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, dot com, dot A-U. So that's info at create PT Wealth. And just make mention of the questions to ask for rent-based personal trainers uh, on the podcast. I'll put this in the notes at SoundCloud as well. If you're listening through this through iTunes, um, it might be my hope that that would display there as well. I hope you've got what you needed out of this audio presentation and uh, I look forward to meeting you in the future and hearing about your success at, uh, at your commercial facility. All the best. Goodbye for now and see you soon. Bye-bye.